0: Good evening and welcome to Talking Sports with Evan. I'm obviously Evan since the show is named after me joined by Tristan coming back and uh, a lot has transpired especially with the Bucks since you and I uh, chopped it up last and uh, we are going to get about that because last time we talked it was who's going to be the Bucks' fifth starter with Drew Holiday on the team and now Drew Holiday's in Boston and wearing a different shade of green now. So going to talk about who that Bucks fifth starter is going to be. However, they got two new, uh, a new piece to the team. Plus Giannis sticking around even longer. So do want to get your thoughts on that. Um, Craig council talking to the Mets and I'm going to kind of give my reasons why I believe, um, it pretty much means Craig council is gone. That that's my interpretation of him getting permission to talk to the Mets. And then, uh, Packers. Matt LaFleur, and we're talking about this off air, really starting to make, irritate me a little bit. And I've been a Matt LaFleur guy and I understand not everything is his fault and there's reasons why the team is looking the way they do and when you break it down and check out some the guys who break down the games like Mike, former Packer Mike Wall you and uh, Kurt Benkert as well, you see it's more pieces of guys not doing their jobs throughout the game is what's contributing to this struggle. But at the same time, the coaching staff, I think need to be kind of put their feet to the fire. But before we go any further, welcome back to talking sports with Evan. Thank you for
1: having me as usual <laughs> throughout <laughs> the whole technical difficulty things. It's almost like a running gag. Every time we try to link up, something just blows up and just goes wrong, but we're here and we're ready to have our blood pressure risen and and, 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 and vent and be at peace at the end of it. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to start with the, I'm going to start with the Packers and you and I were talking off air about he out, you know, Matt LaFleur, every press conference says the same thing. Got to, got to, I got to do better at doing this. I got to do better at getting Aaron Jones the ball. I got I got to watch the tape and figure this out, figure that out, whatever. Very, very tiring. And I, again, I like Matt LaFleur. I think his offense, when it's able to be run effectively, is very good. However, he can't run it effectively right now. And maybe, and, you know, one of the post game shows uh, brought this up. Maybe, maybe it's just LaFleur not trying to say what the true issue is. And it's the roster is just not very good right now. And maybe that's the issue. But there was one thing he said that really got my blood boiling. I haven't played this for you yet. Going to get your reaction. Um, We're not monitored by the FCC, so don't let that stop you from truly, you know, reacting. But he was, and this is the question, answer, follow up, answer. Um, That's what this is. So here, and this is courtesy of the Packers website. Uh, after the Packer loss to the Broncos, how much progress do you think you made over the bye week with maybe fixing some of those slow starts? And, and obviously you, zero. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think it's been that way for the last month?
1: That's a great question.
0: And how much progress do you think you made? Over- it's a great question.
1: <sighs> yeah, I, I said before we were going to have our our blood pressure risen um I have not heard that <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll say this it's a great question and what that equates to is uh he he didn't answer the question because he doesn't have the answers and when you're the head coach and you're responsible for hiring the defensive coordinator who everybody wants to be gone but sidebar. The defense has actually kept them in games past few games here, so we'll get to that later. But for you to answer that question with a non-answer, for you to be the head coach and not have the answers, and it clearly shows on game day, on the field, you had all this time to prepare your team. And this is now habitual. You have a problem getting your teams up to play football it, it, it's habitual in the biggest games and games after bye weeks and games after kind of a, a, a pseudo bye after a Thursday game, they have struggled under Matt LaFleur. So for him to not have an answer, it it just boils your blood and it's just a microcosm for what's going on. If the head coach doesn't have the answer, that means the rest of the coaching staff doesn't have the answers. That means he's not getting the answers to the players. You see the non-adjustments, some adjustments maybe in the second half when they actually decide to start playing. But it's overall a problem. It starts with the head coach, and that's the problem. If he doesn't have the answers, nobody else is going to have them. And apparently we lost Evan <laughs> for a little bit there. <laughs> I guess it's me hanging solo with y'all for a little bit, uh, talking sports with Evan. This is Evan show. I'm Tristan Thomas, Tristan on Sports Show, just guesting on the show, waiting for Evan to come back. But I told y'all technology gets us every single time. Hey, whenever we try to link up and we talk about this, something always happens. But for the head coach not to have answers, for Matt LaFleur to give a non-answer to that, that's the problem. That's the problem. If he doesn't have the answers, how is anyone else going to have the answers? And if he's scared to say what the answer is, how is anything going to get better? You as a head coach have to be able to have the conversations, the tough conversations, it doesn't matter if it's with management, doesn't matter if it's with your coaching staff, doesn't matter if it's with your players, you have to be able to have those tough conversations. And for you to not have the gusto, so to speak, to want to have those tough conversations with Mark Murphy, with Goop, with your coaching staff, with your players, with yourself, you see it spill out onto the field. This team has a lot of talent, a ton of talent. They've been in a lot of games. Like a lot of these, like the only loss that I would say was just absolutely just just horrible is when they got blown out by the Lions. And the Lions are a really, really good team. They're a good football team. But every other game, they've been in it. And they've shown they could be in it. And it's just one or two plays here, there, and one or two decisions here, there, that equals them getting a loss. So it's really difficult to watch this play out. It's really hard to hear that answer, which is a complete non answer. But it's just a microcosm for how the first six games have gone for the Packers. I guess the only good news is you have 11 more opportunities to kind of reel the season back in and really make something of it, get better, improve. It's a young roster. They're learning, they're growing, and you knew they were going to be growing pains. It hurts even more when you see these young guys be in these games. And again, one or two decisions, one or two plays, one or two, you know, things that happen ends up being the reason you get the loss. You know, you saw it in the Falcons game. You saw it in the Raiders game. You saw it in the Broncos game. All three of those were winnable games. All three of them were winnable games. All three win as a loss. This team is not that far off from being 5-1. So for as frustrated as we all are and can be, and rightfully so, and especially with answers coming from your head coach like that, there's been some good. But there's also been some bad that's overridden the good. So... Very, very tough to hear something like that. Very, very tough to see it spill onto the field like this. But this is where we are with the Green Bay Packers currently in the season. It's still early. It's still young. But you got a tough road to hoe. You know, the Vikings are coming in on Sunday. They came off with a huge win on Monday night against the Niners. Without Justin Jefferson. that's going to be a tough task you're coming off of back-to-back losses of which your quarterback Jordan love ended the game with picks it's a young team they're gonna have to learn how to make better decisions they're gonna have to learn how to execute but the coaching staff who's supposed to be some of the most experienced members on the team they're supposed to be the teachers They've got to be better and they can, they have to stop talking about being better. We have to tangibly see it on a habitual basis. As opposed to this, oh, coach speak, coach speak. We got to do better. We got to be better. It starts with me. We need more than that. We have to tangibly see it on the field. Scheme these players open. Stop having to run routes in the same area. Help your quarterback With more high percentage throws help him make better decisions as opposed to throwing game ending picks and hoping he gets a flag when he doesn't have that type of respect throughout the league yet. And I know we're not in those meeting rooms. We're not on the field. We're not game planning. It's real easy for us to say this stuff, but rest assured we understand it's a lot more difficult than what we all believe it to be. But if you put the time in and you actually give a damn, maybe that starts to turn the tide. Maybe you actually have answers for questions like that. Maybe you actually get your team up to play games. Maybe you become the teacher that allows these young fellas to not just learn and and grow together, but to actually teach them and help them get better football IQs. I don't understand. How team, and, and again, Joe Barry has got this defense holding this team in games, but there's only so long they're going to be able to do that. The offense has to do their part, and that falls squarely on the shoulders of the play caller, who is the head coach in Matt LaFleur. If he doesn't have answers for questions like that, that's an issue, and it's an issue that permeates
0: throughout the entire team. Okay. I'm back. My internet just completely kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to hold it down as best I could, but yeah, yeah I, just went, I went on the whole diatribe. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 I, I didn't realize you were. It made you that angry that my internet went out. Playing that audio <laughs> apparently my I told had other
1: plans. It's gonna raise some blood pressure, man. And apparently, it it raised the fiber optic pressure. It it just completely blew it out. So it's, yeah. I just went on a rant, and uh, and hopefully, uh, your viewers don't hate me.
0: Yeah, I and I'm definitely have to go back and uh, go back and listen to that part of the show because I spent the last whatever amount of time trying to get my internet to work <laughs> again. So, oh, technology. You you, you know you're talking. Uh, bad about technology, and it punished me. Like, I don't understand <laughs> that. I'm not the one that was talking bad about it, but I guess hey, I, like I wanted to punish me instead. Every time. I'm telling you, every yeah. time. <laughs> Can I get a quick, uh, since I didn't hear it, a quick, um, very quick quick summary of what you, uh, you said about that comment from the floor, the I don't know,
1: or good question? It, it, yeah, the, the good question comment to me, and, and as the viewers have, have heard me go over this, it's, it's a, it's terrible because it's, it's a non-answer. And if the head coach doesn't have answers to the easiest of questions like that, or if he's scared to actually say the answer and scared to have the tough conversations with Goop, with Mark Murphy, with his coaching staff, with his players, that's a problem that permeates through the entire team. And we're seeing it spill out onto the field and within the performance. So it is a big problem. And I, I've been saying this for a, a few weeks now, you know, especially when Joe Barry was leaving. Preston Smith on Devonte Adams, you brought this dude back, and you see how this this offense is operating and how things are going, and you're the head coach. This falls squarely on you, so you are no longer bulletproof to any of this heat.
0: Yeah, and the, the couple of the issues I'm having, and this is where Matt Lafleur, if he wants to and i think his job's safe this season unless they don't win another game the rest of the way i think his job's safe this year yeah. and and i'm not saying he's Kyle Shanahan but Kyle Shanahan when he didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo before this season the offense the team and the offense struggled they struggled to do anything and they they weren't winning they were uh, average to very below average football team Partially the reason why they have a guy like Bosa on their team, because they weren't good enough to compete for anything. Right. And this Packer team, and this is where I put more of the, um, I think there's blame to go to the coaching. I think there's blame to go to the front office. I think the blame that goes to the front office is the fact that they decided they were going to have the youngest roster, especially the youngest offense in football yeah that when rogers took over and i don't like comparing 2008 to now but rogers had driver jennings jones a rookie jordy nelson a rookie jermichael finley but still he had driver jennings and jones on that team already plus a pretty strong healthy running back and ryan grant Brett Favre, when he took over, had Sterling Sharp, best receiver, who would have possibly been the best receiver in NFL history if he never gets hurt. Yeah, and he's got Robert Brooks, and he's got some veteran tight ends that he could rely on. You look at quarterback in the, uh, I mean, sorry, the wide receivers out in LA that's having a big year. Um, Puka, he's got Matt Stafford. The the, the Packers on offense. They don't have that veteran guy that can take these young guys under their wings and show them the way. And when you watch the tape and you watch the games live and then you watch the all 22 after, and I've seen it for weeks now. And you saw it last year too. Wide receivers are running on top of each other. They're running Mm -hmm. basically the same routes. They're in the same area. And to me, that's not understanding the play design and the playbook. And that falls on the coaching. So that's why I put part of the blame on the on the roster construction and part of the blame on the coaching. And I put the tweet out Sunday. What are the wide receivers coach and the tight ends coach doing during the week? Because it's the same issues we see week after week. And it's, do they not know how to get through these guys? And maybe Matt LaFleur should start looking at a new offensive line coach, a new wide receivers coach, a new tight ends coach, somebody who has more experience in player development, because that's where the Packers are lacking right now. And it's also on the defensive side of the ball. They're lacking a lot of player development. And the floor, as I was saying, starting to say, before I said his job was saved, he needs to take a long, hard look in the mirror and decide not to be so loyal to the coaching staff that he assembled. That these guys aren't getting it done. Time to get new guys in there and guys with more proven player development ability than what he's got. And the defensive staff for the most part, other than um, corner and outside linebackers coach is pretty much the same defensive staff he inherited when he first took the job when Mike Pettin was there. So like I said, he just needs to take a long hard look in that mirror and decide what he needs to do and change or he's not going to be in Green Bay that much longer. Yeah, and that's
1: some of the same stuff that I said when when the internet kind of blew up there was they all have to do, they truly have to do a better job and they can't just talk about it. They have to tangibly do it. And if you don't have the people there to teach these young guys the game, they're not going to learn anything. They're not going to grow together. They're not going to learn together. LaFleur also has to stop trying to put square pegs around holes. You have every right to adjust your offense, adjust your game plan, do a better job of getting your young quarterback completions, do a better job of getting your young wide receivers in spots to where they could be successful and use their skill set. that's going to benefit the entire team as opposed to, okay, you go here, you go here, you go here, this is what we're doing. No, they don't have the experience to do that. And also, you need to help these guys get a higher football IQ. You cannot allow Jordan Love to take long, deep passes at the end of games, hoping that he's going to get a flag when he has absolutely no respect around the league in order to get those flags currently. So it's it's permeating is what I'm saying. It's That's permeating, and and it's if the head coach doesn't have the answer, that means the coaches don't have the answer, that means the players don't have the answer, and you're an absolute mess on game day.
0: And the receivers don't have that respect either to draw those plays. Right. And I saw a couple people a couple people comment on this on that last play with the Broncos. First of all, that's not a play you run with Torre. You don't run that play with him. Unfortunately, Watson was out. That's a, a Watson-type play. And more, a veteran, more of a veteran presence, a veteran receiver – would have came back for that football and likely would have drawn a pass interference flag, which you you're playing with fire, hoping to get those flags down the field. The coverage, as you know, everyone uh, Love was saying, the floor was saying that they got the coverage they wanted. Unfortunately, the free safety didn't do what they're expecting him to do, and Love I don't think did a good enough job, kind of looking off the safety. He was locked in. That's where he's going. That's likely where his eyes were. And, of course, a, sa- a good safety is going to see that. And uh, they're going to bait the quarterback. But in all reality, he knows he's got plenty of time to get there. And that's exactly what happened. And hopefully it's a learning experience for Love. I said when uh, starting week one, I think I said it to you, my expectations on this team is to look for growth week to week, which right now we're not seeing the growth. But you, you look at all the – other factors, the other stats, the way the Packers score in the second half, uh, how close they are. If every all loving guys on the field do their job on the exact same play, we've seen that the offense can be explosive. But it's one guy or two guys not doing their job from play to play, and it's not always the same person. Everything gets thrown off. And those are things that need to be addressed in practice. And like I said, I don't know what they're doing in practice. I know they have one of the – Softer practices around the league, but maybe it's time to run a more tougher practice to try to get these mus- muscle memory in there. And maybe that'll help with some of the injuries they seem to have all the time. Yeah, that the, the injury factor is just absolutely ridiculous. I, I just, it, it, I mean, you could go back
1: to, I, I mean, even before Mike McCarthy, these guys, like, it's just been a mass unit for almost two decades now. It's, it's always something, but. As I said, it's the coaches have to be better, but we have to tangibly see it. The head coach has to have answers, especially for easy stuff like that. But he has to be a head coach. You can't just be a head coach in name. You can't just be a play caller name. You are also the lead teacher. And if you're not teaching these young guys anything, they're not going to learn anything, and you're not going to win on game day. I'm looking for growth as well. I, like I said, I wasn't looking for this team to make the playoffs. I wasn't looking for this team to be world beaters. I, I was looking for growth, that this is where they are. They say they're not going to rebuild. Okay, whatever. But you're not exactly a contending team either. So what are you? And luckily, it's still early in the season. You got 11 more opportunities. Maybe they could get on the streak, start learning, start making better decisions. And it's always one to two plays, one to two decisions that are made within these games that really decided for them. And as I said in my little diatribe, when I was trying to cover for for you, uh, is that they have been in these games that they're really just a few decisions per game away from being five and one, when you really sit down and think about it. So we know the talent is there. We know that the ability to be explosive is there. They lead the NFL in second half points per game. So we know it's within them, but is it within them to play a full 60 minutes that way? That's the type of growth that we're going to have to see. Otherwise, that hot seat is going to get way hotter for Matt
0: LaFleur. And I I think the, the big, you know, the thing is we saw just how easy things were in week one. And it's like, this might be easier than we thought. And that fourth quarter, starting in that fourth quarter in the Atlanta game, it's not been an easy ride. I think if it would have been reversed and we would have saw the struggles early on and then – the last couple games, the most of the Atlanta game and the Bear game is what we've been seeing. We would be a lot happier and upbeat than we are. And the record doesn't matter, they can they could win two games the rest of the season, but it's seen guys develop and uh, mature and get better week in, week out. And like I said, that's just not what we're seeing right now. Vikings this week, I usually always give my Packer prediction here. and... I I don't always pick the Packers. I've been picking them this week just because, as you've said, they're like a play or two, a decision or two, seemingly away every week from getting that victory. The wins and loss gap is extremely small, except in the Detroit game where they completely started out horrible in that first half. This is a – the Packers need to get things right game. It's at home, at Lambeau. You have the feel from the home crowd – the Vikings are coming off a big win on Monday Night Football, and I'm not saying this to be a homer. I think the Packers figure out a way to get it done at home at Lambeau Field, and I think they end up beating the Vikings in a close game that they end up uh, being able to uh, get a get a victory at at the end. So, I'll get your quick uh, prediction before we jump on to Gray Council. Uh, for my prediction, my, my actual whole prediction,
1: I'll say this i'll give you my prediction on quick toss which you can see on youtube as well as uh the toss facebook page i have to get the full but, prediction <laughs> <laughs> but just a small bit um I, this is truly a toss-up every game looks great for the Packers for what they're what we've seen them able to do in the second half and you think if they just stretch it just just even one more quarter that they'll be in a much better spot to win these ball games and make better decisions down the stretch but it seemingly doesn't happen. And with a, a Vikings team that's now got some momentum, they're one game under five hundred. They just beat San Fran. Uh, you know, without Justin Jefferson, it, it's it's truly a toss up for me. But I'll I'll, I'll make my my uh, full prediction later this week.
0: And they they just need to get it right, and that's what I'm hoping for. Backs against the wall, it, it, you have adversity. It's time to man up or shut up and we'll see what they do on Sunday. So, seems to be in baseball, the rite of passage to get to the World Series or win it is by defeating the Brewers in the playoffs. Since 1981, and the Brewers didn't qualify for the playoffs in 81 just because it was that the top team in the division went and they finished second to the Yankees that year by a very close margin. So 81, the Yankees went to the World Series and lost after eliminating the Brewers from the playoffs. 82, the Cardinals beat the Brewers in the World Series. 2008, the Phillies won the World Series after eliminating the Brewers. 2011, the Cardinals won the World Series after eliminating the Brewers. 2018, the Dodgers lost the World Series after eliminating the Brewers. And here's where the uh, the most recent streak starts. 2019. Sorry to bring that up to you again. Nationals <laughs> won the World Series after eliminating the Brewers. 2020. Dodgers win the World Series after eliminating the Brewers. 2021. The Braves win the World Series after eliminating the Brewers. The Phillies got into the playoffs last year over the Brewers. They went to the World Series, and until to- I, I that's kind of left off the list because. They didn't make the playoffs or whatever, it didn't come down to the final weekend, but still. Twenty twenty three, the Diamondbacks eliminate the Brewers and they're in the World Series. As I like to say, the Brewers always the Usher, never a bridesmaid. <laughs> That's kind of it's it's fun to joke about, but it's also kind of frustrating a little bit, isn't it? It, it, it
1: truly is. And I said the same thing on the Facebook page last night, too. But it was, yeah, I guess, you know, beat the Brewers, go to the World Series, I guess. You know, congratulations, Diamondbacks. I mean, I, I guess I don't feel as bad now. I, I didn't really feel bad anyway because it's truly what I expected in the playoffs anyway for the, the offense to falter. What I didn't expect was for the pitching to falter. But here we are. Especially but, yeah, it's it's
0: faltered.
1: my God. and Devin Williams. Some of your best of the yeah. best. Uh, just, just absolutely falter. But yeah, it is extremely frustrating to see, you know, other teams that you really played much better than. <laughs> uh, and that's why I say they say the postseason is a different season. Uh, you played better than them in the regular season, but come postseason, they just put it together more than you did, and they took it further more than you have been able to. And we all know why, because when you get to the playoffs, you need to be able to hit and move runners over and execute it's home runs and hit home runs. <laughs> And <laughs> Brewers can't do any of that. They nope. can hit home runs, but they're going to strike out about 15 times before they run into a couple. And at, by that time, it's a 10 to 2 loss. So it's until they change their offensive philosophy, uh, we're, we're not going to see any gains in, in, the, in the department of actually making a World Series and, and being a serious title contender.
0: I wouldn't even necessarily say if they have to change their offensive philosophy. I think they have to change their roster building philosophy a little bit. I know this was the the first year of Matt Arnold constructing the roster. be interesting to see what he does in the future, seeing these two teams in the World Series, just how well they can slug the baseball. And 2011, the Brewers were uh, one game away from the World Series, and you had Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder, slugging the baseball not yeah. you know get on base or whatever they were slugging the you know what out of that baseball and that's the brewers have been lacking that power since christian yalich destroyed his kneecap so they gotta it's like they always construct a roster around if christian yalich can be the christian yalich from 2018 and 19 we have enough offense to go well this is the first year since he shattered his kneecap that he's looked even remotely close to what he once was. And the Brewers' philosophy might be changing. The breaking news today, so Craig Council is a free agent at the conclusion of the World Series. So basically the end of October, Craig Council's contract is up and he's free to go talk to anybody he wants to. Today comes out, the Brewers gave permission to Craig Council to talk to the New York Mets. And uh, I want to get see if you think I'm reading too much into this. I see that, and red flag immediately pops up, and in my mind, Council's gone. He is not coming back to Milwaukee at all. Because here's here's the reason why I'm feeling that way. Why would you give a team permission to interview him when they're free to interview him at the conclusion of the month? I'm thinking Council told the front office, that he wants to explore other opportunities and he wants to see what else is out there. Now, is there still a very small chance he does come back after exploring those other options? Possibly. But he could have done that in uh, in a week and a half or two without having to get permission from the Brewers. And I think the fact that we're at this point where teams are asking for and getting permission to talk to him, I think is basically stating that he will not be the manager of the brewers in 2024 am i reading too much into that no i think you're you're reading correctly into it um I, am i 100 ready to
1: say that he's gone uh, not 100 but it's pretty like, dang close it, it's pretty close uh i mean if, if if like you said if you're getting permission and I, to me that speaks more to the mets saying hey we know who we want we want to move quickly on this get permission you know uh, david stearns he's got a lot of good will built up within the the entire brewers organization Uh, obviously they're going to allow him to you know do do whatever you know so i think they want to move quickly on that process so does that mean that hey you know they're quickly going through the interview do they they already have a deal in place they just can't announce it until after the world series so I, i think you're reading into it correctly Um, It it, it could just be that the Mets want to move quickly on the process through interviewing and they want to interview him first, see the leading candidate before other teams start looking. Because let's be real. Craig Council is an outstanding manager. He has taken the garbage (laughs) that the Brewers have given him and made some sort of dinner every single year. They've been competent and in it and competing and it's been an incredible job that he's done in this time as a skipper for the Milwaukee Brewers. So he's he was definitely going to be a hot commodity out there on the market. You know, there's multiple job openings. So, I mean, with Dusty Baker, especially retiring, you know, Houston may want him. I mean, there, there's a lot of options for Craig Council to have. So the Brewers definitely wanted to, I mean, excuse me, the Mets wanted to strike as quickly as they could get that permission from them before any other team could and get that process started. So I don't think you're reading too much into it but I'm not quite ready to say that he's 1% gone. I'm at about 95%. I'd
0: say I'm at 99. I, there's no reason for the Brewers to allow the permission. And, of course, if they don't, maybe that forces Council to leave anyways because now he's right. mad. But right. they have no reason to say yes at this point. He's still the uh, still under contract from the Brewers until Saturday, November 4th is Game 7 of the World Series. So that's the... Latest, the 2023 season is going to go. We're at the 25th right now. November 4th, game seven. There's really no reason for at this point for them to say yes. Go ahead, you can interview him, unless he's commented that he's not coming back. That's just how I'm looking at it, and I could be completely wrong. Who knows? I wouldn't be the first time I'm wrong, but I just think the the writings on the wall that he will be looking to to head out. I guess to be my thought. So. Who do you think wins the series? Uh, or I don't know if, if we want to save this for uh, your show as well, but Diamondbacks, Rangers, who are you thinking has the advantage right now? You know, I, I want to say
1: Rangers because Bruce, Bruce Bochy has been there, done that. He's, he knows what it takes. Um, their pitching has been fantastic. And Max, Max Scherzer can get back to being Matt Max um, and be able to shut down those danger noodles they are they're walking out with the with the ring and it's amazing that they're doing this without Jacob deGrom you know he was he was their centerpiece <laughs> like, like, he was expected to be their centerpiece pitching in the world series he's not even there so it's it's just wild what they've been able to do it's wild what the diamondbacks have been able to do you know it's no they were kind of an afterthought they got hot at the right time got into the playoffs and and they just run through teams so you know,
0: all credit to them as well but i think the rangers might take this one yeah, I, I'm i leaning Diamondbacks right now just because, as you said, they're hot right now. They were leading the NL West for a good chunk of the season. I think the Dodgers lost two games the entire month of August, and the Diamondbacks struggled in August, hence why they backed into the playoffs. I, 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 w- I would like to see the Rangers win, but I think the Diamondbacks are going to do it. Definitely not the you know World Series. I think we all were expecting, especially two years ago. Both these teams were struggling to win games at all, let alone even think about making the playoffs. So, but now NBA. So, I want to say it was was it before? I think it was before the NFL season started. The last time you and I talked right on the show, yeah. yep. And at that point, the Bucks' big four was going to be Lopez, Middleton. Giannis Holiday, and then who's going to be the fifth starter? We don't know. Might be Grayson, might be somebody else. Well, Holiday's gone, Grayson's gone, and Dame Time is now in Milwaukee, and now it's looking to be Middleton, Lopez, Dame, Giannis, and we still don't know. Could be Malik Beasley, could be Bo Camp. It, who knows what it's going to be? But the Milwaukee Bucks definitely. I would say improve the roster and no disrespect to Drew Holiday, he was what the Bucks needed at that time. Bucks don't win a championship without him, but I think they've re- I think they reached their maximum ability with him and I think it was time to shake things up a little bit and I think they're a better team overall now with Dame than they were before they got Dame and wanna get your initial reaction, not initial reactions anymore, but kinda of wanna get your thoughts on Dame and how he's gonna fit into the Bucks roster and rotation now that the preseason's over. Dame is is really the perfect player to put within this
1: system because he knows how to play with the big. He knows about the pick and roll, and he's been talking about it, you know, in, in media day and, you know, through various press conferences and, and interviews after preseason games, how, you know, that pick and roll is just going to be dangerous. You're either going to roll with Giannis or you're going to leave him wide open from three, or you're going to, you know, stay with him and you're going to leave Giannis wide open in the middle of the lane. I mean, it's it's really a pick your poison type of deal that it's going to be very hard for teams to, to really deal with. Not saying they're going to go seventy-three and nine or something like that, but they're going to be a very, very difficult team, and that's all thanks to Dame his his offensive prowess. Uh, the thing is, can he get some things done defensively? Because that's that's going to be necessary, especially for a coach that's defensive-minded like Adrian Griffin and this team who has really uh, built their built their championship run on defense, not just being good and sound offensively with moving the ball and motion and all that, but being very, very good defensively as well. So. I, i'm excited for it you know to have two top 10 players two top 75 players of all time this is not hyperbole folks they 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 did this they had this whole ceremony at the all-star game these two guys are top 75 all time so they have them on the team together um, in their primes it's it, it's really exciting i can't wait for for tomorrow to for us to see a real glimpse into what it's going to be like because they kept things very vanilla over the preseason now the regular season begins uh, against Philadelphia, and you're really going to see it full bowl, and and I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for it too. Excited to see what this team looks like and where they grow. And before we get to the meat and potatoes of the season, the Bucks organization, city of Milwaukee, the state of Wisconsin, we're all extremely lucky to have Giannis as a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis didn't have to do it now, could have done it at the end of the season, could have done it last year. He, uh, right before the season starts, stop me if you've heard this before too, right before the season starts, he signs his extension. Could, cool with that. That. <laughs> could, have got, could have got more, more money if he waited. And, of course, the national heads like uh, your Brian uh, Windhorst, is losing their collective minds, and he was calling it questionable. And I want to get your thoughts on my reaction on X yesterday about his reaction is was basically what I put. Giannis loves Milwaukee, the Bucks organization, and didn't want to be asked by people like Brian if he was going to stay in Milwaukee or not. He wants to focus on the court and not anything else. Your initial thoughts on Giannis signing that extension, and then I guess just reaction to that tweet, uh, X, whatever, and then just your thoughts on how the national media is kind of crying in the cornflakes right now, or Frosted Flakes, whatever <laughs> cereal they're eating. Somebody peeing in their cornflakes and call it <laughs> milk? Yeah. So,
1: you know, Brian Windhorst, you know, said that Giannis' next contract will not be with the Bucks. Now, why would he do that? Because he's wrong. <laughs> why would he do that? He's very, very wrong. Um, it, it's it's not a shock to people like yourself and to people like me, people who are fans of this team, people who cover this team. We've been around Giannis. We, we've been fortunate to be, be around him and to understand who he is as a person. And you have all the national hits. Keyshawn Johnson saying, oh, you know, prime time's not in, in, in Milwaukee. It's, you know, just bash bashing Milwaukee, whatever would what have you, saying that that same old diatribe that superstars need to be a big market so they could be marketable, which is not the case. Giannis makes nearly $100 million a year from endorsements, and guess what? He plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. You don't need to be in New York. You don't need to be in California to be a marketable worldwide superstar. He's a worldwide ticket no matter where he goes. He doesn't He's care Giannis about that Exactly my point. He does not care about any of that. So we, you know this, and I know this, but national media continues to ignore it and then they sit here and act shocked that he re-signed with the team that he won the championship with that he has, that has really given him what he's asked for show that you're in it to win championships because that's what i'm in it for they went goddamn they traded away his boy his brother and drew holiday okay he loves that man and and he he still loves that man still you know that's his boy came out and said I was not a part of that process because I would not want to be a part of that because I don't want to see him go but he understands it and you get Damon return so for all of them to see all this and then just ignore it and say oh he's gone just a, just the drum up clicks and attention it's pretty disgusting on their parts but it's not shocking to you and I and others like us because we understand the way he ticks and the franchise's front office has given him exactly what he's asked for. Show me that you're in it to win championships. Not just to chase the eight like Herb Cole, you know, not just to be in it to, to win a couple playoffs and then bow out gracefully. We need to be in it to win championships. They did that with this Dame move. They did that with the campaign move. And it's just not shocking to me. I'm very, very happy about it. It's not shocking to me. I never once thought that he was going to leave unless the franchise did something so terrible that put them so far out contention that will waste the remaining years that he has in his prime that he will just leave. So they haven't done that. they made big moves, probably the biggest move of the offseason, and
0: he's here to stay because of that. And I think during this whole process, we see exactly why Thanasis is here as long as Giannis is, because Giannis even said it was my – my GM, Thanasis, that said this. And it just shows you how smart Thanasis is. Wojo, and I'm sure he got this exactly from Giannis, and tweeted out after the deal was done. This deal gives uh, Giannis a chance to earn more money over the course of his career with that player option in 27-28 because of the over-38 rule in the CBA. He can yep. sign a short-term deal again with the Bucks in 2026 and another four-year extension with the Bucks, then in 2028. And that's pretty much what Giannis said in his presser that tenassis told him. And I think that's probably part of the reason why the national media isn't a big fan and wants Giannis gone and they they cry in their cereal because he's not doing what they want is Adrian Wojnarowski didn't break the news. Shams didn't break the news, Uh Windhorst, which I don't think he ever breaks anything, he didn't break the news. Giannis broke the news. Mm -hmm. The last time he signed, Giannis broke the news. This time, Giannis breaks the news. So they're getting all the second hand, and they don't get to be the, the in the know when it comes to Giannis. I think they're kind of mad about that, hence why they cry in their cereal and throw all that shade all the time. (laughs) <laughs> which
1: is which
0: is wild because it's like he's he's been in the league. This is his 11th
1: year, I believe, in, in the league. And, you know, he's grown from, you know, an 18-year-old to, you know, he'll be 29 later this year. And you've seen how he operates. You should know how he operates by now. Y'all have been covering him for over a decade. You should know how he operates by now. You should know that your diatribes, your old diatribes about what Milwaukee used to be back in the Herb Gold days and all that is not what the Milwaukee Bucks are now. The city is not what the city used to be. It's completely different. And you have a superstar who does not care about the glitz and glamor of a New York or a a Miami or an LA, he doesn't care about any of that. He cares about where can he be best with his family, with his three children, with his lady, uh, with his family. Uh, how can he be the best he can be in the place that he's grown up in, he feels loyal to, and has won with and wants to continue with, which is Milwaukee Bucks. So, like I said, not shocking to you or I, uh, a lot of people out there are saying, oh, I wouldn't have given up You know, the money that he did. He would have gotten $233 million had he signed an extension after the season. He decided to take the three for 186 He also gives the team flexibility. And as you mentioned, those short-term deals, the, like the LeBron deals that he's on, where he kind of signs a two-year deal was really one year and a player option that gives the team flexibility to be able to stay within contention so they're thinking long term how can we keep this thing going at a championship level for as long as possible like I said I'm just so happy to have him back but it's not shocking
0: yeah and I, I think part of the what the the talking heads have grown accustomed to in the mid to later 2000s, the 2010s, is guys moving all over the place, forming these super teams, going to one spot. You know, they people give LeBron as being the guy that started it was actually the Lakers with Carl Malone and Gary Payton going to the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq, which didn't work for obvious reasons. Two of those guys were quite old. You 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 having all these guys moving around chasing these titles and wanting to do them with their with their their buddies like Chris Bosch and LeBron and D Wade in Miami that Giannis is more like your, your Dirk, your Tim Duncan, the guys that are going to be a lifer. And I wonder, so I don't, obviously I don't follow the Mavericks like that. So I don't really know how Dirk was covered, but I do remember a couple of times when Duncan got close to that free agency that all they could talk about the Duncan was going to leave and, Form a super team out in like Orlando or something like that. And he never did. He just always stayed in San Antonio. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it's, I never thought for like for one second that Duncan would ever leave. Him. I didn't think so perfect, he was in the perfect situation with with the, the right coach. And, you know, then the way that Greg Popovich took care of him in his later years as a player, I mean, he extended his career by another four or five seasons, you know, getting the best out of him. So, I never thought for one second that Duncan would ever leave. Uh, but now, you know, you're in a new age where you don't think a player will leave or, or they will request a trade and it happens. But there there are some types out there that are loyal to a fault until you make
0: them not want to be loyal to you anymore.
1: And and Giannis is one of those people. Yeah. And
0: Dave is another. Dave is another. Yeah, he was very loyal to Portland for the longest time until he saw the writing on the wall that Portland uh, – was not all in to win championships. They were talking about how they wanted to win championships, but they never actually did anything to show Dame that we want a title. The Bucks traded for Drew Holiday. They traded for Dame. they they signed Brooke Lopez. like they made moves that showed that they wanted to do more than just make the playoffs and get an extra home game at home during the season. And go from there. Portland never did that for Dame, and that's why he all of a sudden now wanted want to leave. And the Bucks did all this behind the scenes, where we were. See, seems like the the negotiations between Miami and Portland were being done in the media. John Horst did all this behind the scenes, snuck in there, grabbed him, and became, made him a, a Milwaukee Buck, and nobody saw it coming. I still remember getting the app push on my phone: Dame Lillard is a Buck. I'm like, holy, f! What the heck?
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and I heard whispers, and I'm so mad at myself that I didn't look into it further. But I had heard whispers of a dame to walk in. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like that, it's not plausible. We all thought he was going to Miami, but here you go, John Horst in the shadows doing what he does best, putting together the championship rosters. We need to give Horst some credit. Like the he was a wild card when he first started as 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 the GM. We didn't know what he was going to bring to the table. We didn't know what type of deal maker he was going to be. Does he have any respect
0: or curry any favor around the league? And clearly he does. Yeah, I remember when they hired Horst. Lazarus wanted his guy. Edens wanted his guy. Forget the other owner's name. He mm. wanted his guy. And basically Horst was the, fine, if we have to hire somebody, fine, we'll hire Horst. And he's turned out to be a great uh, general manager around the league. Uh, don't want to keep you much longer. I want to get your thoughts on the NBA season. I think Eastern Conference has got to be Bucks and Celtics and then everybody else. The 76ers, to me, we don't really know what they are with James Harden's uh, issues right now. and. Uh, Embiid, I've heard whispers and mentions that Embiid might be pulling a Durant at some point saying I want to be traded. So I don't I don't know if and then I don't know if the 76ers are truly a contender. I I think it's Bucks, Celtics and everybody else in the East. What are your thoughts on the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I'm I'm right
1: there with you. I think it's Bucks, Celtics. Uh Sixers going to a more defensive-minded coach with Nick Nurse. Uh I mean, I know Joel is the MVP, um, but how's he going to be with a guy who was—I mean, not that Doc Rivers wasn't a defensive guy because he too was a defensive guy as well, but also going to ride hard too, right? You know, so that it, it's going to be a big difference. But I don't think they'll be quite at the level of championship threat. <laughs> we'll put that in quotations um, that they have been. I think they'll take a step back, especially with James Harden's old issue. Uh, and B, maybe, you know, the whisper starting about him maybe wanting out and, and being a big trade piece. Um, I heard New York pop up in that, and they were ready to give the world up for him. Um, make of that what you will. But uh, I, I don't think they'll be quite on the level as the Celtics and Bucks. I think it is their conference. They'll probably end up in the collision course. Hopefully, knock on wood, um, <laughs> to
0: see who goes to the finals. Miami shocked everyone last year and made that big run in the playoffs. They lost a lot of pieces this year. It looked like they, every move they made was to get Dame in there, to make the roster fit around Dame. Didn't happen. Are they a team that's going to struggle to make the playoffs again like they were last year, or are they a team that can be a legit threat? I, I think they'll they'll struggle. Uh, one thing
1: Eric Spolscher is going to do is going to keep that team together. He's going to make him play some good defense. Uh, he's going to coach him up. I'm, sure I'm one of the the, the best coaches in, in, in the nba so they'll they'll always be a team that kind of like they were last season where they're kind of an afterthought but then come all-star break they just kind of flip that switch because they start to understand they get a little bit healthy they start playing a little bit better and then they go on that run come playoff time um i don't know if that run is coming again for them <laughs> but i think they'll be kind of that team that's lower tier in the eastern conference uh not really a big threat but
0: Keep an eye on them. Western Conference, Nuggets, Suns, maybe Lakers and Warriors, age could, age, and uh, injury history could be a factor there. Those four, is that pretty much the only competition out West, or is there a team in the West that could shock everybody? Look for the Pelicans.
1: If Zion stays healthy, biggest if ever <laughs> that is the biggest if ever yes uh if Zion stays healthy if brandon negro stays healthy if cj McCollum stays healthy this is a really good team when those guys are on the court together it's a really really good team so uh, i i would say keep an eye out for them uh whenever john Morant comes back hopefully he he keeps his stuff together he gets you know on straight and narrow the thing that hurts the grizzlies for me is again they'll be without steven adams for the entire season again he, they are a different team, especially defensively. When he's there, rebounding. When he's there, much better. Uh, they, they're able to play through him a little bit. They're able to get the the, the dirty work done by him. Uh, tough enforcer. So they're definitely going to hurt without him and, and missing John Morant for the, all those games to begin the season. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe they're a second-half team. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, but for me, definitely – The World Champs, Nuggets, they looked every bit of the part last night against the Lakers. Uh, I don't know if the Lakers are going to be kind of towards them. I think they might be middle of the pack at that lower tier, kind of like they were last season. Because either Anthony Davis or LeBron James is going to miss a time again. It just is what it is that those are the type of players they are. I know they improved the roster vastly, um, but I don't know if they're going to be at, you know, kind of towards the upper tier of the Western Conference. And the Suns, I still have the questions about, you know, that Bradley Beal has not been there yet. Uh, are they going to get enough defensively to really be able to do anything? Frank Vogel expects a lot of you defensively. Are they going to be able to put out that output? Because last year we know they did not defend a soul. So we'll see if Frank Vogel makes a difference there with them. Uh, but you got to like them offensively, but they have to be able to defend.
0: And then there's always the the uh, elephant of the room on Kevin Durant. He's going to miss time with injury as well,
1: at some point. And, and Booker too. Booker unfortunately has had his injury issues as well. So if if but the, that's the luxury of having a Bradley Beal. You know, if you're missing, uh, you know Durant for some time, you got Bradley Beal there. with have a Booker or if you're missing Booker. You got Beal there, or if you're missing Beal, like they are now, you still got Booker. You still got Durant. So they'll have some offense.
0: And you got and- Grace Allen. <laughs> hey, hey.
1: <laughs> You got Grayson Allen. Yeah. What is inconsistencies and everything else? Well, you know, you got him for, you know, uh, maybe eight games a year that he blows up and then he kind of goes quiet in the shallow realm for the rest of it. But they have to be able to defend and they have to have guys healthy. Uh, If they are able to do both of those,
0: uh, they could definitely be a
1: threat in the West as well. But it's the Nuggets conference to lose. Yeah.
0: and i just want to throw this psa out there for bucks fans i do it for the brewers every year too and i do it for the bucks 82 games is a marathon there's going to be games that the bucks lose to teams they have no business losing to like mm-hmm. orlando and there's going to be games that you just don't think they're going to win they're going to end up winning and then there's going to be games that all of a sudden at the last second which may not happen as much this year now Giannis and Dame aren't going to play and you were expecting the two and now they're not it's going to happen. It's got to be patient. It's going to take some time for them to adjust to the new coach, adjust to Dame, adjust Giannis, adjust to him. Middleton may miss some time with injury as well. But when the, everything, uh, everything comes up at the end, the Bucs are either going to be a one seed or a two seed in the East. Just got to, be patient and don't get too high. Don't get too low. Just wait for the playoff time when the real season starts. Exactly. Thank you so
1: much for that PSA because there are a lot of people out there who need it. And I'm talking to that certain segment of the Bucks fans on X, and some of them have migrated over the threads, you know, which you can find me at the 2-0 double. But, y'all, I see y'all. I see y'all. You need to have patience. Like he said, A2 games is a marathon. You're not going to win a championship in one night. You're not going to go 82-0. and 0. As long as you see consistent growth and this team wins and continues to win and qualifies for the playoffs, that's what matters in the regular season. Please well, be patient.
0: Well, I want to say thank you for um, coming on and uh, doing, uh, doing your show for a good chunk of the show. As I was trying to figure out what happened to my internet, I appreciate always uh, chatting up with you about anything really. But with NBA buck starting tomorrow, Figure be a good time to get you on and get ready for the Bucks season, and I'm excited uh, once again to see what the the Bucks do this season, and uh, hopefully we can have conversations moving forward about the Bucks are definitely a team, the team to beat.
1: <laughs> it, it might be coming, but like you said, patience. It's coming, but I appreciate. It. I didn't know I was going to have to guest host tonight, but I appreciate the <laughs> opportunity. Uh, hopefully Hopefully again, again, I'm sorry to the viewers if if my diatribe went a little bit too long there, but I was trying to cover. I can't cover for the man. Okay. I can't cover for Evan. I mean, he's, he's one of a kind. I can't do it. I can only be me, uh, but thank you so much, man. It's always good to chop it up with you. And hopefully we can have some great conversations about the team to be being the Milwaukee Bucks. soon.
0: Yeah. And with that, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. The podcast version will go live uh, tomorrow morning, probably right around the eight o'clock hour. You can find that anywhere podcasts are found. Talk next week. Uh, Been saying this for the last few weeks now, hopefully talking about a Packer victory and things we can grow on. Even if the Packers lose, I want things we can grow on. So with that said, thank you so much. And we'll get back at you next week, hopefully internet issue free.